the way that it works with Facebook ads now is targeting is not as great as it used to be. And the only data Facebook really have to target people that are engaged with your business are people that engage with your accounts. They don't need to follow you, but if they like a video, maybe they comment, they share, any interaction they have with your accounts, that is all signaling that Facebook is going to record. That's going to help you target your ads. Welcome back to the Audience Growth Podcast. I'm your host, Nikki Hutchison. And on today's episode, I have the absolute pleasure of welcoming Aggie Maroney of White Bee Digital to discuss all things paid advertising. Now, if you know me, you will know that I am all about organic marketing. That's marketing that costs nothing or very little. So it might be surprising to hear me interviewing Aggie, who is all about paid advertising. However, we align on so much when it comes to our approach to marketing that I really enjoyed this conversation. And some of the key takeaways for me were just how important it is to invest in yourself, to be a joiner and say yes to surrounding yourself with the right people on your business journey. And as with any marketing, we discussed the importance of being consistent and patient when it comes to paid advertising. Don't expect overnight success. So without further ado, let's dive in. So welcome to the Audience Growth Podcast, Aggie. It's lovely to have you here. Hi, Nikki. Thanks so much for inviting me. I always know we're going to have a bit of a giggle when we speak. So Aggie, would you like to tell us a bit more about the businesses that you work with and what you do? So I run a business called White Bee Digital and I specialize in running and managing Facebook, Instagram and Pinterest ads predominantly for e-commerce businesses. So businesses that sell products and that's kind of merging a bit now with like digital products, so courses and memberships and things like that. Brilliant. So how did you get into digital marketing in the first place? So I've had quite a squiggly career as I guess a lot of us have. So I actually spent over 10 years working in sales and marketing in the investment industry. I love the people I met there, but it just wasn't for me. I just found it a bit slow. It was kind of like an oil tanker trying to maneuver in an oil slick. That's kind of the analogy we use. It's like very hard to make any changes. It's very highly regulated. A lot of sales and marketing was who you know. So a lot of it was, you know, meeting people face to face and things like that, which has its place. Definitely. I mean, that's how business is done. You know, people buy from people, but more and more there were people not requesting meetings so much, but saying, oh, could you send me that information? Or can you point me on to your website? Or do you have a portal I can access where I can just see all that information? So my role started to change and I became more and more involved in the digital marketing side of things to make sure that we were all up to speed on that side. And I just thought, I actually love this. This is much more my thing. Like I love it so much. I was getting more and more involved with the digital marketing team in that role. And then I went off on maternity leave and I had a redundancy during that time. And I was like, right, this is my chance. I'd been researching all the things I wanted to study to do a career change. I was like, well, nothing like a redundancy to kind of speed up the plan. So, you know, I found out I was being made redundant with an eight-week-old at home. Anyone who's been in that situation, it's a pretty intense time. 
was absolutely exhausted. I was like, right, I'm not in a position to do anything right this minute. So I think it was in the June or July that I found out and I called up the admissions office at the Digital Marketing Institute, which is where I did my postgrad. And I was like, look, I really want to do this postgrad course, but this is my situation. They're like, oh, you can actually join our September cohorts. So I was like, okay, well, my son will be five months by then. I should be fine. So I could not have done it on my own. Like it takes a village, right, to do this kind of thing. So with military coordination, like with my husband there and my mom and everything, I managed to study for my postgrad. And it was literally the first time in my life I've studied something and the time flew. Like I literally found like the days flew by when I was reading all the materials, I was learning all these things, like a whole new world opened to me. And I was like, oh my goodness, this is just me. I absolutely love it. It's kind of a bit of a joke now that everyone's like, oh, you're just obsessed. Like all you talk about is this. And I was like, well, I've obviously found what I'm meant to be doing then because I absolutely love it. And like even my husband said to me, if we won the lottery, you would not change what you do now, would you? And I was like, I actually wouldn't. Like, I do love what I do. So anyway, that was like a really broad intro into digital marketing that literally gave me a good foundation for all the different disciplines. Like just as I was graduating, actually, the pandemic hit. And I was like, oh, all I ever wanted to do was just work in-house at an agency. Like I already knew the agency I wanted to work at. I'd already planned out what my daily routine would be like, what the childcare would be like. It was all planned in my mind. And then every single agency laid off people. And I was like, oh, okay. And also, I kind of got a feeling as well. And maybe it's just in my mind. But when you're doing a career change and you're in your mid-30s, people are a bit like, well, you're not 20 starting at an agency. you know. So it's a little bit of prejudice, perhaps. I don't know if that's a strong word, but this is just my view. And, you know, people say, oh, well, you know, we've got a foose table in the hall. And I was like, I actually don't care. Like, I hate foosball. I don't want to drink wine at my desk. I literally want to do a brilliant job when I'm meant to be there and then clock off because I actually want to go home. I don't want to spend my weekend at work. So I think it was kind of um, divine intervention in a way. Like, okay, a pandemic is probably a bit extreme, but, you know, the fact that I couldn't enter what my idea of what a perfect balance was didn't work out. I was like, oh my goodness, I'm actually nervous now because I have no idea what I'm going to (laughs) do. Like, I've got a complete career change ahead of me. I have no network because I didn't have time to build one because everyone was like locked down and everything like that. So I literally thought, right, I'm starting from absolute zero. And I know from my past career, your network is absolutely everything. Like who you know, connections you make, the trust that people have in you and your reputation, that is how you build a business. I was like, how do I get in front of people? I literally have no idea what to do. And it has all been organic personally, like until recently, actually. But I did like another course to go back onto the question you asked me. And it was more tailored to ads. And I was like, oh my goodness, this is it. This is the thing in the thing that I love to do. So I actually started as an organic social media manager and I had a well-known local business find me on Instagram, Hello Organic Marketing, and I started working for them. And I absolutely love this business. Like I've used them myself. I've been there, you know, and to meet the owners was like such a big achievement for me and my fledgling business. And they found me on Instagram. So that was a massive thumbs up to the visibility you can get organically for me. But in the whole time I was working with them, I really wanted to do paid social. So I trained even more. Like I have trained a lot in paid social. And then I ended up, once I graduated, I actually started working with a very well-established e-commerce brand, which I absolutely loved. Got amazing results for them. And then someone that I found organically on LinkedIn 
she's like owns an agency she's absolutely killing it she's amazing she's so knowledgeable and like I just admire what she's achieved so much and then again I do believe in like the universe and like stuff happening and manifestation and stuff like that but I saw that she had a vacancy for a freelancer in her agency and I was like oh my god I literally went to my husband and I was like this is it I just need this job I need to work with her I need and he was like can you just chill I was like no this is like such an amazing opportunity but it's really weird how small things build up to what happens because starting to build my own presence on social media, overcoming my fear of going live. I mean, if you see my Instagram now, you wouldn't believe that I was ever scared of going on video, but I was terrified and it took a lot of courage for me to start showing up. And it was actually a LinkedIn challenge that made me kind of face my fear because I had this massive fear of judgment of people on LinkedIn. You know, who does she think she is? She started this new company. She knows nothing. It's all in my mind. And they were saying, well, they don't pay your mortgage, so you just need to do it. (laughs) So I was like, okay, fine. Anyway, part of this application process to be a freelancer at this agency was to submit a video application. I was like, I've got this. Like, I've practiced. I've got it. And I did get it. (laughs) So I worked there for five months and it honestly changed my whole outlook on ads. It's like a boutique specialist Facebook ads agency. I was trusted with pretty big accounts. I was literally given autonomy to do what I wanted on those accounts. And it was really good because it was in a supportive environment. So if I ever needed to bounce ideas of people, that team were there. I absolutely loved it. But I just felt really pressured having a young child at home. It was still locked down. My mental health started to suffer a bit. So they did offer me a full-time role and I turned it down because actually my son knocked his tooth out of nursery while I was working there. And I was under so much pressure to get something done, which wasn't the agency's fault. It's just like, you know, the schedule of things that has to go out on certain days. That it was just so stressful for me. I felt so like a terrible mother that I felt my mind was somewhere else when my son was in pain and oh my God. So I was like, right, I just need to manage my own schedule for now. So I really was in two minds about turning it down, but I did. And I was like, oh my goodness, like I've not marketed myself for five months. I've literally been at this agency and I really felt it, you know, like when I left there, I was like, I literally have maybe one retainer client and that's it. I was like, I am needing to ramp this up now. I need to really market myself to get business. So what was the first thing that you did at that point? I was definitely more present on Instagram because my brand's really colourful. Like if you check out my Instagram, which is at Whitebee Digital, you'll see it's literally just an explosion of colour. So I love colour. I'm very visual. So I just thought, well, that's a natural fit for me. LinkedIn, I was more visible on and I have had lots of work from there. But I still find it really intimidating because like, it can be a bit of a nasty place sometimes. Like The comments can get a bit aggressive. It's not my vibe. <laughs> Instagram's like a bit of a lovelier, like friendlier place. But it was being visible. So I spoke in lots of memberships, including yours. All opportunities came from people knowing me. So I was really visible in Facebook groups. People started to know me as the ads person. And even now people tag me and stuff. If people need ad support, I get a notification. But that took a long time. I mean, I was being active for at least six months, learning from other people, commenting, trying to help people, but like genuinely trying to help people. Not like, because it's really obvious when people are just trying to pitch. And then people just started to trust me that I knew what I was talking about. And actually being connected with like membership owners has been really useful for me as well, just because you guys have massive networks as well. So I've been referred work through those connections and it really has just kind of built up on word of mouth just because I'm everywhere. (laughs) And that's organic marketing for you. Exactly. 
So I remember getting to that point with my first business, which was a kids hip hop dance company. It was a local business and people used to say to me, oh, you're everywhere. Step It Up Dance is everywhere. And I was like, yes, good. This is what I want people thinking. And then it's happened again with this business. And that is why I believe in the power of organic marketing, because you can't be everywhere if you're only using paid ads, because we're a small business, we just don't have the revenue to cover those costs. Definitely. It does take time though, as well. That's kind of like the caveat of that. Yeah, obviously it takes longer. Like you, I've grown my businesses organically, this one to begin with. And then we reached a point last year where we really started investing more in ads. Is there a particular length of time or scenario when you think, yes, this is the right time for a business to start paying for ads. The way I look at it, and I turn down a lot of people that approach me for ads for this reason, organic marketing is non-negotiable when it comes to marketing your business. Yes. Honestly, and I'm saying this as an ads manager, okay? If you're relying 100% on ads, you will not be successful. And a lot of businesses folded since the iOS 14 update happened last year because they were not diversified. The reason why, from an ads perspective, you need to be on it, like sharp on your organic marketing. In this, I'm going to be referring purely to Instagram and Facebook because that's relevant to my form of marketing. Is because, first of all, you need an engaged audience. Okay. I know why people buy followers. Okay. They need the social proof on their accounts. People trust them. So I, I get why people do it. It will literally be business suicide for you, ads-wise, because first of all, you can have weird people following you. It's like some dodgy bots following your account. Now, the way that it works with Facebook ads now is targeting is not as great as it used to be. And the only data Facebook really have to target people that are engaged with your business are people that engage with your accounts. They don't need to follow you, but if they like a video, maybe they comment, they share, any interaction they have with your accounts, that is all signaling that Facebook is going to record. That's going to help you target your ads. Also, from an organic perspective, why would you want no one following you? Because you don't really have real followers, do you? They're not going to buy from you. You want people that are, whether it's a service or product, loving what you offer. They want the updates. You know, they're going to jump on your offers. You know, they're going to be cheerleading you, word of mouth, all that kind of stuff. Another reason having an engaged audience rather than a big audience is because, say, for example, you posted something and it just took off with your audience. So people are loving it. They're commenting they're liking it, they're sharing, you can create that into an ad. And Facebook will take all that interaction with it. So it will take all the likes and comments. So you automatically bring all this social proof to your ad, which is the most powerful thing you can add to an ad. Because you have people that are no way connected with the brand promoting it, saying, I loved it. This was a great purchase. I've just bought my third one or I'm rebooking or, you know, all these kinds of things build trust. And as a small business, these interactions are what bring your ad prices down and help you compete with the big boys. Because no matter how big you are, there is always someone with deeper pockets. Okay. So you need a way to stand out. The more times people interact with your ad, the more signals Facebook has that you are providing a great customer experience because Facebook want people on that platform as long as possible because then they can sell them more stuff. <laughs> that is the truth of it. So if you can keep people happy on that platform, you get rewarded by Facebook. And so much has changed, as you've touched on already, since iOS 14. In terms of how long 
people need to allow to get their ads set up. Do you have a recommended time frame now? So there's two things in that question. There's like the setup. So for me, the setup, and I actually charge a separate fee for this because there's so much time and thought goes into it, is what is the strategy? What assets do you have available? So by that, I mean, do you have photos? Do you have videos? Do you have testimonials? Do you have PR logos? All these things, visual things that you are going to be adding to your ads, do you have them? If you don't have them, you need to get them. So that can take time before you even think about ads. Now, people always freak out and think, oh, I need loads of money to do that. You don't. You just need Canva and you need your camera phone, you know? So you don't need to overthink it in that sense. You need a good offer. So people always think, oh, that's something to do with money off or a discount. It's not the case. Like, you know, what's going to take people over the line? Is it free gift wrapping? Is it a handwritten card? Is it a surprise gift, you know, which is maybe some dead stock you've got in the back that you just need to get rid of, but it will be a perk for someone, you know? So you have to be a bit creative and it really depends on what your budget is. You know, the aim of the game, and it may sound obvious, is to make money, okay, from the ads. But sometimes people get so caught up in the creation of the ads and what they're giving away for free and, you know, even delivery. Like, how much is your delivery cost? Is that something you can afford to give for free or do you need to reprice your product? These are all things that come in the beginning. And then once you've got the strategy, you've drafted copy, you've researched your competition and what they're up to, the actual building of the campaigns in Ads Manager is actually the easy part because you're literally just copying and pasting and importing and you know adjusting some settings. Okay, I make that sound really simple, but it really is the easy part. <laughs> and then you need to let it run for a while, don't you? Yeah. So this is a big change actually since the update happened. So pre-iOS 14, you'd probably be able to leave your ads three to four days, depending on your budget. Now, unless they're really not performing, I usually leave them for seven days. So when I mean really not performing, there's literally no action happening on the ads. Like no one's adding to cart or signing up to the leads forms or anything like that. Whereas now you really do need to give it time. I've even tested this on my own ad accounts and it's nerve wracking because you can see the ad spend going, 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 but you have to hold your nerve. And once you've held it, then it really can make a difference. And also you won't get it right first time. This is something that people don't consider as well. You need to have budgets to test because it could take a few versions of the ad running and maybe to a couple of different audiences to find out really what's going to resonate and suddenly work. So if somebody's listening to this and thinking, I think I'm nearly at the stage where I'm ready to dip my toe in with some paid ads, is there a minimum amount per month in terms of spend that you recommend? So this is a question I literally get asked every day. (laughs) I'm assuming it depends on what's being sold and by whom. Absolutely. So there are a few things you need to consider. This is really annoying for people who ask this question because I'm always like, it depends. So for example, if you're selling something very high-end and a considered purchase, maybe a new sofa or a bed or garden furniture or something, and it's like, you know, £5,000 or something, you know, spending £20 a day just isn't going to cut it. Like you really do need to think, okay, what are my costs? What's my profit margin? 
what's the behavior of people that buy from me so you know they're not going to click on the ad and buy straight away you know they're going to go to google they're going to check competitors they'll probably go to price comparison websites so you need to think how long are they going to be researching and deciding because your ad needs to be going that whole time because you need to be front of mind every time they're on facebook that that you're there (laughs) like your ad is in front of them so that's something you need to think about Also, something like, for example, subscription boxes, you probably won't make a profit on the first sale you make because the value in your customer is, you know, that they're with you for six months, 12 months and so on. So if their first box is, say, £40, maybe it costs you £20 to get that sale, which might be your whole profit margin. And then you're like, okay, well, that first sale, I've just covered the cost. Every other sale I get from that point is my profit. So then you have to think, okay, do I have my email marketing going? Is my social media active? Am I really selling each box that's coming out, you know, each launch? Are people invested in me? Do they love me? That's how it all ties in. So that's why I 100% agree with your view. You know, it's not just about ads. You really need to be thinking about everything that goes into that customer journey. If I was to give you a hard figure though, like what the very minimum is, and some people are like, (laughs) it really depends on your business model, but First of all, it's an investment, okay? You're not just going to burn money. This is literally, you're investing money in to make a profit. That's the mentality you need to be in. So in the past, before iOS 14, I said £20 a day is the minimum you should be investing. That gives you budget to test two audiences, £10 a day for each audience. Now, you will struggle if you don't invest £30 a day. It's just got more expensive and you have to let them run for longer. So again, this really depends on why you're advertising. So Some people just advertise for two weeks for launches. For example, if they run a course or something like that. I personally don't like those kinds of campaigns because you don't have time to test if those are your optimal ads. Whereas for e-commerce, which is what I specialize in, they have ads going all year. So you know what audiences work, you know what imagery works, you know what formats work. And I think that kind of touches on one of my like preview questions, like why I chose to work with e-commerce because it's for that reason. It's long term. but also. If you want to advertise, you need to be thinking about it like six to eight weeks minimum for a campaign. Because if you're only making changes once a week, that means that you've got more opportunities to really tweak what you're doing. And just remember, nothing's wasted. Like every time you run a campaign, you're feeding data to your pixel. So you're buying data all the time. So theoretically, each time you run a campaign, you're in a better position than you were before. Yeah, it's all part of that go detective mode that I talk about. It's all feeding the machine information and insights and analytics provided that you have your pixel set up. So (laughs) side note to everybody, if you don't have a Facebook pixel set up, then pop that on your to-do list straight away. So what you're talking about switching ads on and off, that's something that we came across fairly early on when we started investing in ads for this business. And we ran ads really successfully to promote my group program, Fully Booked Bootcamp, the one that you came and did a guest session on, in fact. And That went brilliantly pre-iOS 14 and we switched them off straight after. (laughs) And then six months later, we went back. The entire landscape had changed and it took weeks and weeks and weeks to get back to the point that we had been at. In fact, I don't think we ever got there. So after that launch, we made a conscious decision, right, we're going to invest a certain amount every single day. We're not launching anything. 
right now, but to bring people onto my email list so that we are staying. And I say we because my husband, John, works in the business with me and he is working on the ads so that we know what's happening, basically, so that we've got kind of one eye on the ads landscape at the same time as we're going about our daily business so that there are hopefully not any nasty surprises next time that we are running a launch. It's also good to do something called keeping your audiences warm, which is actually what you're doing probably without realizing because every time you switch off a campaign you're basically stopping all the learning so when you relaunch you're starting from zero again with that audience something that's really common for example with e-commerce is at christmas after the last postage day which is actually quite late now it's like the 23rd of december or something i tell my clients do not switch off the ads put them down to the minimum i think it's like one pound fifty now or something like that and just let it tick along and then when you're ready to launch your january sales or some people don't advertise again until, you know, Valentine's campaigns because they like to have a bit of a rest after Christmas. But at least you know then that you're still ticking along. So you can literally just put more money back in and hopefully you'll just pick up where you left off. Because otherwise it can be quite painful to restart again. Such a good point. Yeah. And obviously things change all the time. And I'm sure that anybody listening who has gone into Facebook Ads Manager and kind of gone, ah! and decided to quickly leave (laughs) is wondering how do you keep up to date with everything that's happening and all the changes in there? Okay, so there's a few things. I invest a lot. I'm part of like a premium ads manager membership, which is like global. I think there's like the 200 top ads managers in the world are in there. So that's really good for me because I'm literally amongst the elites and some people are spending hundreds of thousands a day on their ads. So they're really learning quickly what's working, what isn't. So if for some reason, you know, this happened last week, for example, Facebook was double counting all your sales. So lots of ads managers were like, yay, I'm making loads of money. But then they looked on their dashboard and they weren't making money. It was just a glitch. So that's something that we can all talk about in a membership like that. I met a lot of ads managers in the UK, which we have like a little WhatsApp group or Facebook chat group. So we're always like, asking each other things in there and it's just like twitter and things like that it's just there's lots of different points linkedin's really great as well usually last coming from facebook (laughs) it's mostly like people that are in the thick of it you know in the trenches hear what's going on first and it's fairly recently isn't it that you added in pinterest ads to your services that you offer yeah so when i was working at that agency that i mentioned before i was working for quite a big subscription business managing their ads it was like a global campaign, so across different regions and everything. And they asked to start Pinterest ads. Now, it was, I think, the first account they actually used Pinterest ads for. And I was really fortunate because Pinterest came on board to train me. Uh, the head of paid media, so the head of the ads team, trained me as well. And then it's just something that I realized a lot of businesses actually are intrigued about. So I've had like a lot of inquiries about Pinterest ads. And I have like my own rep with Pinterest now and things like that. So it's really great. And to be honest, I'm actually only going to be offering it like now for people that I also manage Facebook ads for. Because if you think about how a sales funnel works, so when you have people that have never heard of you all the way down to people that buy from you and love you and things, Pinterest is great for that really early stage, like discovery stage. Because people are on there for longer periods of time. They're out there researching specific things. It's a search engine at the end of the day, not a social media platform. And if you have all the tagging or the tracking set up, so the Pinterest tag is like the meta or Facebook pixel. If you have that set up, then it will track all the activity on Pinterest. 
whether they hit your websites and then if your Facebook pixel's on and they've allowed tracking, you can also retarget them. You know, it's all this big machine, all these different touch points that you can have with your customer. It's really good for businesses to reach a different demographic for their business. And we're in our Instagram DMs fairly often, aren't we? I was on your Instagram account recently and I read some pretty scary (laughs) stats. (laughs) I don't mince my words on there, do I? (laughs) (laughs) You definitely don't. It's refreshing. So I read that 90% of e-com businesses fail in the first 120 days and 78% fail within the first 12 months. That is some scary stuff right there. It's sobering. It is sobering. How do you make sure that your clients avoid failing? So the businesses I work with aren't at that very early green sheet stage. And I usually turn a lot of businesses away just because they're not ready. Like there's no point. It's stressful for everyone. It's stressful for the business owner because, you know, their resources are limited. So every penny, like we're watching it like a hawk. For me, it's stressful because, I, you know, it's a lot of pressure. I really want to get results. But sometimes, you know, if the website's not optimized, the checkout's slow, the website's slow. There are so many things that impact the performance of ads because the thing that people don't kind of consciously realize is, yes, the ad will get you a sale. However, the job of the ad is to stop someone scrolling on Facebook or Instagram because people are you know, watching the kids, watching TV, cooking dinner whilst they're scrolling. They're not really thinking about what you're selling them. But if you've got something that flashes on the screen or, you know, something that catches their attention, you've got more chance of people then visiting your website and your website then takes over to make the sale. So if your website's bad, and there are lots of examples of what makes a bad website, that is when it all fails and everything falls apart. So the way I like to think of ads is like kerosene. If something is working brilliant in your website, i.e. organic socials, brilliant, you've got all your nurture sequences set up, your website's looking slick and is optimized, your ads will explode. Like they will just do really well. If anything is wrong on your website, and I mean it, anything can really break your ad campaigns, then it's very stressful for everybody. So I am very kind of particular now about who I work with. And that's purely to protect the business owner as well. So a lot of people say, oh, I just want to run ads. I just need to make some money. And I'm like, oh, it's not that simple. (laughs) Like, I wish it was because then I'd be a millionaire. (laughs) (laughs) So if somebody's listening to this and thinking, I don't know whether everything's right on my website, you know, I don't know whether I've got everything in place to be ready to run ads. Where's a good place for them to find out that information? So I do actually have a checklist that I created for just this reason. It is like my freebie. So you will get added to my newsletter just for full disclosure. But it's literally like um infographic. There's some text specifications you need to have for the iOS update as well. So it will link you through to a blog I wrote and it has all the steps you need to take to make sure that you're ready. And also kind of in my discovery process to work with me, you need to fill out an application which has all your details and I then check and I kind of audit you before we work together. And if there's anything I notice that could stop you from being successful, I'm just honest. I say, if you work on this, then I'd be happy to work with you in the future. So we'll link to that in the show notes then to your checklist. Sounds really useful. And if you were working with a service-based business like mine, what would you be recommending I spend money on in order to grow my audience online? Build your list. (laughs) 
Yes. <laughs> Honestly, that is the number one thing I personally think every service-based business should be doing. This is music to my ears. <laughs> so I've recently been running campaigns for myself to build my list. And to put it into full context, I've invested an email expert to build my automation for me. I've invested a lot in it because emails just aren't my thing. And I just think I just need the help. (laughs) So I did invest in someone to help me set it up. I had someone design my freebie for me. So it looks good. You know, so a lot of thought went into it and I tested it a lot organically. So I had people just from my Instagram, you know, and LinkedIn. I posted it a few times. You know, once the link didn't work, once the file got corrupted, you know, all these things happen and it's normal, but that's why organic needs to happen. So you can test it for free. And then when I started running ads, it worked really well. Brilliant. So now you're taking your own medicine, so to speak. You're running ads consistently every day. Well, not anymore. I've stopped them for now, but I did run them for about six weeks. But it is so different when you run them for yourself. I've done it a few times now and it's just like, oh, you go in there every day checking all the money ticking away. So I get it. I understand why businesses are like, oh, and just like watching every like, you know, every day to see what the results are. And even I have to say to myself, just step away because it's not every day you're going to see, you know, hundreds of signups or anything. It's really dependent on so many things. I'm always asking John for an update. How much is it costing us now? How much is every conversion? John needs just to say, I'll send you a monthly report. (laughs) I'll suggest that. So we touched on how much you have to stay up to date with, obviously dealing with social and also dealing with pay. Are there any favourite sources that you can recommend people sign up to for info? I'd say if you want to keep up to date, but it's quite technical, I guess, then Twitter, because there's lots of big ads managers and agency owners that tweet on there. To be honest, the stuff that I write in my blogs is probably more entry level. So what is a sales funnel and why is it important for ads and like all the different terminology and what to do so you don't waste money, all those kinds of things, which are questions I get all the time, like how to budget. I've got written a blog about that as well. So there's lots of handy tips and things in there. Instagram's good for like lives. If you just follow some ads managers, they're always on there chatting away. (laughs) Growing their audience organically. (laughs) Absolutely. Love it. We've talked about growing your list. If you had to give any other top tips to our listeners today about what they should or could be doing to grow their audience today, is there anything else you can suggest? Well, I'm a social media person. So for me, just be on social media. Just be as visible as possible. I make it a priority that I post once a day on Instagram. I now have someone that helps me with my graphics, but I do all my content myself. And honestly, email lists, like if you can build your email list, I just find that my audience on there is much more engaged. I get such valuable insights as well. Like if people are struggling with something, I'll just get an email and I'm like, oh, okay, I didn't realise that this is something that people aren't, you know, like understanding or this has changed for lots of people. Maybe I should help, you know, maybe there's something I can do. So I would definitely recommend that. And do you spend quite a lot of time engaging as well on social channels? Yeah, too much. (laughs) I've actually started doing it more on LinkedIn now. And I think that's just because I'm trying to keep up to date all the time with all the ads changes. I just find as well, it's just really easy to be stuck in an echo chamber. So a lot of people now are like agency owners, other marketing people, when actually that's not my audience. My audience are e-commerce businesses and e-commerce business owners aren't that present on LinkedIn. So yeah, it's a balance always remembering who you're trying to speak to, you know, not being surrounded by the same as you. 
Yeah, absolutely. And also trying to carve out that time in between all of the client work to actually focus on your own business. Oh my goodness. Yeah. And to be honest, and this is not the way to do it. Okay. But usually I'm quite a reactionary person. And I don't know if that's because of what I do changes so much. There are some evergreen topics that I will schedule in. Like once a month, I'll schedule in like 15 posts or something. But there's stuff that happens that just, you know, a question someone will ask me, I'm like, that would be a great post. And then I just create it on my sofa that night and it goes up. So I don't think you need to stress too much. And also stuff that you think is really obvious to you, it won't be to someone else. Totally, totally. So never doubt your own knowledge and skills because there are people out there who need to hear it. Yeah, definitely. And if you feel like you're repeating yourself, you're not. (laughs) (laughs) Either nobody's listening or they've forgotten. Probably the first, but you know... (laughs) Oh, thank you so much for joining me today, Aggie. It's been an absolute pleasure to listen to all your ads expertise. Thanks for having me. I've really enjoyed it. Oh, great to chat as always. See ya, bye. See you soon. Take care. Bye. Thank you so much for joining me for another episode of the Audience Growth Podcast. And make sure you come back again next week when I will be talking about how you can understand your ideal customer and how to target them. Now, this is a subject that comes up again and again with my clients. It's something that everybody out there wants and needs to improve upon. So make sure you tune in again next week. See you then.